Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Good, crazy, and crazy martinis for you today, brought to you by Ernest. And Jim, let's start with the good. The National Journal, I wouldn't call it far left, certainly. Maybe even slightly left. Definitely not a righty outlet, but uh, Josh Kroshauer over there going against the mainstream media grain by pointing out that Joe Biden is not starting out as president anything close to what he promised to be. What he promised to be was a unifying figure who would take a moderate approach uh, to some of the nation's most challenging issues. But Kroshauer says that simply hasn't happened. First of all, he talks about the stimulus uh, being much bigger and more aggressive than what uh, a lot of people are looking for, including some moderate Democrats in the Senate. He also says, despite pledging to open all schools within 100 days, his administration is now kowtowing to the teachers unions who want to keep schools closed indefinitely amid growing anger from parents. Biden's uh, chief of staff, Ron Klain, sided with the unions in an interview with CNN, indicating that the stimulus legislation guaranteeing additional funding for schools was a necessary precondition for schools to begin in-person learning again. Uh, He's also going much bigger than just uh, solidifying the dreamers on on immigration. He wants uh, a chance for all illegal immigrants to gain citizenship. I think eight years is his timetable. He's already tried to freeze deportations for 100 days. When it comes to climate and energy and the economy, he's already killed the Keystone XL pipeline and lots of jobs that go with it. We've seen John Kerry simply say, you know, they can just get solar panel jobs. Uh, And so on issue after issue after issue, including all the signing of these executive orders when he said that's not something a president should be doing, uh, Joe Biden has been significantly further left than he promised to be. And somebody in the mainstream media is actually calling him out for it, Jim. Yeah. uh, Josh Kroshauer, the title of his column is Against the Grain. And I don't know if he considers himself a conservative. I think it is safe to say that he is not afraid to literally go against the grain and to push back on mainstream media narratives that don't line up with the facts. And I think this is a terrific example of it. And I think it's one that really deserves to be front and center. Um, I'm going to I'm going to talk a little bit out of school here early on in. the Obama years. I was uh, asked to be on CNN. I was in the green room and I saw two of their anchors. I'm not even sure I remember which ones, but basically they were making the observations. This is like two, three months into the Obama administration. And the Obama administration had just proposed repealing the charitable deduction for those, for the highest earners uh, as part of their uh, stimulus measure and or tax increases. And on the campaign trail, Barack Obama hadn't said a single thing about, you know, eliminating the uh, charitable deduction for anyone. And so there was kind of this, you know, uh, discontent amongst, you know, CNN anchors who were not conservatives by any stretch of the imagination, but who were just like, look, this is not what he was running on. And this is a much more controversial proposal than we were hearing on the campaign trail. Um, I mean, you really have an axe to grind when you're trying to get rid of charitable deductions because, yeah, you know, rich people might uh, lower their tax bills a bit from it, but not in a significant enough way to affect the deficit or the debt or anything like that. And oh, by the way, it helps encourage charitable donations, which we want to do in this country. Biden is making the same mistake as Josh lays out in a whole bunch of these categories here. And the one example like it's interesting when you have a narrative that's forming one of the ways you can refute it is to have one high profile symbolic decision 
Susan Collins, who I think we can all agree is not a frothing at the mouth, right wing, you know, arch conservative. And this 10 Republican senators, 10 Republican Democratic senators came together. They've got their uh, smaller and more targeted stimulus. If you're the Biden administration, this is a gift. This is exactly what you're looking for, because first of all, there's no law that says you can't go back and try to get the other stuff. But if you do this one, First of all, you got 60 votes for it, presumably. You presume all the Democrats are going to vote for you. No Democrat's going to vote against Biden on his first big economic initiative. And then you got 10 Republicans for it. So voila, you get this thing passed. They can't filibuster it. And oh, by the way, you end up with a big major bipartisan achievement. And you can say, look at us. We're living up to our promises, et cetera, et cetera. The interesting thing is that Biden doesn't seem all that bothered by not living up to this. It feels like it was, you know, those of us during the campaign were saying, well, look, Biden is a centrist, but his party is drifting left and he always goes to wherever the center of his party is. So if the, if the party is shifting dramatically to the left, Biden is drifting, shifting dramatically to the left. And this is a different guy than during the Obama years or back all those years when he was in the Senate. Well, here we are. So good for you, Josh Kraschauer, for calling this out. Hopefully more people will call attention to this. And I think those who are paying attention to uh, the politics right now are recognizing this is a much more liberal administration than Joe Biden promised on the campaign trail. Well, big surprise when you have Kamala Harris as your vice president and Susan Rice as your chief of domestic policy. I mean, some of the voices that are closest to your ear every single day are not exactly on the moderate side. So personnel is policy. And I think we're seeing that very early on. And as we've established, and you just mentioned again, Biden likes to see himself in wherever the middle of the Democratic Party is. And so he's not one uh, to push back very hard on anything, especially the loudest voices on the left, because, of course, uh, he wants to keep everybody happy in whatever coalition he's assembled at this point. But uh, the fact that the media is actually, at least one outlet is willing to call this stuff out when uh, most of the mainstream media is uh, planning a four-year honeymoon here uh, is definitely a welcome news. That means that uh, there is some independence of thought in this town still, uh, even uh, outside of uh, conservative media, which is great. All right. Well, let's talk about Ernest, uh, because while Joe Biden might be looking to do some things about student debt, uh, we can help you out with Earnest. It's time to break out of the student debt cycle. And I know making those payments can be hard right now, especially if you've lost your job or other financial considerations are weighing on you. But Earnest can help you by refinancing your student loan. Earnest offers low rate student loan refinancing. You can check your rate risk free in just two minutes. With Earnest, you get radically flexible payments and you can pick your loan term. By refinancing, you can reduce your loan term, save money, or combine multiple loans into a simple monthly payment. And if you have questions, you can even talk to a real live human being at Earnest for help. Now, isn't it time you stopped feeling overwhelmed by your student debt? Right now, Ernest is giving Three Martini Lunch listeners a $100 bonus. You can refinance your student loans at Ernest, E-A-R-N-E-S-T dot com slash martini. Terms and conditions apply. Once again, you get a $100 cash bonus when you visit earnest.com slash martini to refinance your student loan. Not available in all states. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Jim, we talked about how National Journal is calling out Biden's lurch to the left. We've got folks on the left not very happy with the fact that uh, Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, Kirsten Sinema, senator from Arizona, not going lockstep with the far-left Democratic agenda. So we're seeing it from the other side now. Uh, their decisions not to overturn the legislative filibuster are not sitting well with the far-lefties. So 
from Politico, the co-founders of No Excuses PAC, uh, they list three names there, are starting a search for candidates to challenge incumbent Democrats they say are standing in the way of ambitious action to end the coronavirus pandemic and revive the economy. Yeah, those are the only issues they care about. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin and Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema, who aren't up for re-election until 2024, are the first Democrats on their target list, the left-wing strategist shared first with Politico. Now, two of the three are former aides to AOC, so that you can see where they're coming from here. Mansion and cinema, of course, as we said, opposing the legislative filibuster uh, being scrapped. So, uh, Jim, uh, that's definitely not going to work in West Virginia. Uh, even if you knock off Mansion, you're never going to get a crazy lefty to win the general. And I don't even think it's going to work in Arizona unless something changes there drastically. Get a ton of people moving from California who don't change their politics and so forth. Uh, so, if the far left wants to spend a, a lot of money on feudal uh, political endeavors here, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess by that standard, it's a good martini. Uh, I think I put it in the crazy martini category because if you're a Democrat, getting somebody like Joe Manchin who's going to vote with you a lot of the time, and perhaps most importantly, voting to make Chuck Schumer the majority leader and not Mitch McConnell, uh, you're that's golden, right? This is the you know West Virginia was arguably the Trumpiest state in the country, and they've been drifting pretty consistently Republican since the early George W. Bush years. So the idea that, oh, we can elect a more liberal uh, Democrat in, in West Virginia is you know unproven. It's about, about as kind as you could get to it. Um, also worth noting in, in Arizona, uh, Kelly was running a, you know, fairly, I'm not, you know, I'm not that partisan type campaign. Um, maybe you can make an argument. But again, these are, you know, in this case of Arizona, this is a state that quote unquote turned blue um, for Biden in the presidential race by about, what, 10,000 votes or something? It was, it was not a particularly wide margin. And so the idea that you're going to nominate somebody from the far left uh, or, or much further left wing of the party and successfully challenge either one of these in a primary is, you know, crazy pie in the sky thinking. But also worth noting, you know, again, we're like, Greg, I don't know about you. I'm not making plans for next month. <laughs> people are, are planning for 2024 in the primary season of the spring. I mean, the only, you know, mitigating factor I can think there is that, you know, Joe Manchin is currently 73. So he'll be about 76 at this time, you know, in, 20, in early 2024. It's conceivable he'll retire. Could create an open seat. I think if you're a Republican, I think your odds of winning a seat, an open seat race in West Virginia look pretty good. I suppose if your goal is to make as many of the nominees uh, of the Democratic Party AOC clones as possible, well, then, OK, you could have a shot of winning the primary in that open seat race in West Virginia, although I still wouldn't you know, bet the mortgage. And then the second thing is, then you got to win the general in, in West Virginia. And I don't think an AOC style candidate can do that. But uh, I guess after Georgia, they're just convinced that every red state is you know, turning purple to blue and they can you know, shift really far to the left here. I don't know, Greg, was it always just kind of destined this for these, this, uh, this group and allies of AOC to go after Manchin after the time she glared at him at the State of the Union? <laughs> that was some wicked side eye. Absolutely. I mean, Joe Manchin is, uh, he's kind of like our Susan Collins, right? I mean, uh, Susan Collins isn't necessarily the lawmaker you would want, but it's probably the only Republican that can win in Maine right now, just given her track record. And that's kind of the way it is for Democrats in West Virginia. So uh, whether Joe Manchin runs again or doesn't, I don't see an acolyte of the uh, author of the Green New Deal getting a ton of traction in a West Virginia election. In coal but... country, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. And gun country, let's keep that in mind. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to see enough of a shift uh, uh, to... Uh, 
to flank cinema in Arizona. I don't think that's likely to happen either. But by all means, spend your money. Spend half of your political donations on the Lincoln Project with their track record. And <laughs> spend the other half on these people who are going absolutely nowhere. Big tech is censoring conservative speech and Democrats will be controlling the White House and Congress. Hi, I'm Sarah Carter. Join me on The Sarah Carter Show and we will dig deep into the big issues together. Look, as an investigative reporter, I'll ask the questions no one else is asking. Share personal stories covering wars, the border and the D.C. swamp and bring on guests who know what's really going on. Subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about our last crazy martini now, Jim. And we don't spend a lot of time defending Bernie Sanders. He doesn't deserve defending. He's got a lot of kooky ideas. But of course, uh, the big Bernie Sanders news over the past couple of weeks is the meme of him sitting in the big winter coat uh, with the homemade mittens from Vermont at the inauguration, legs crossed, arms folded with the mysterious envelope and so forth. Uh, And of course, if you're on social media, you know that uh, people placed him in that folding chair just about everywhere on planet Earth and maybe even beyond. But someone else saw something far more sinister, Jim. It's a teacher in San Francisco. Her name is Ingrid Sayer Ochi. She says that Sanders' mittens in particular are evidence of white supremacy. She writes this, We've been studying diversity and discrimination in the United States. My students were ready. What did they see? They saw a white man in a puffy jacket and huge mittens, distant not only in his social distancing, but in his demeanor and attire. A wealthy, incredibly well-educated and privileged white man showing up for perhaps the most important ritual of the decade in a puffy jacket and huge mittens. Senator Sanders is no white supremacist insurrectionist, but he manifests privilege, white privilege, male privilege and class privilege in ways that my students could see and feel. I don't know many poor working class or female or struggling to be taken seriously folk who would show up at the inauguration of our 46th president dressed like Bernie. Jim, it's kind of fun to watch the woke left get eaten by their own in situations like this, although I don't think Bernie's uh, stature in the party is going anywhere. But uh, the idea that wearing a puffy jacket and mittens makes you a white supremacist. I just wonder who's feeding her students to get to the point where they see these things. I can't figure that out. Yeah. You know, by the way, she laments the blindness I see. And I just kind of wonder if she should get her eyes checked herself. Um, by the, way, she, the observations, you know, I don't know many poor or working class or female or struggling to be taken seriously folk who would show up at the inauguration of our 46th president dressed like Bernie, unless those same folk had privilege. Also, Greg, if they had tickets, because not just anybody could show up to the inauguration, it made this inauguration very, very different. We can argue about whether that was a good idea or a bad idea uh, in light of the uh, pandemic and in light of the security situation on January 6th. But so the first thing is, well, where were the poor and where, well, they weren't allowed in, right? We can argue about whether that's a good idea or justified, but that's, that's why Bernie was there and you didn't see these other groups. Second of all, like, I guess the idea is that he's, he, was, he was underdressed and he was allowed to underdress because he was either an old white male or because, you know, because he was a senator. Yeah, senators get treated differently. That's good. It's always been the case. It's always going to be the case that, you know, senators, um, you know, we can argue about whether they should have that privilege, but that's, that is kind of the, you know, the way things are. It's very tough to turn away a senator for being inappropriately dressed. But then still kind of observe how far out there do you have to be to get Greg and I 
to come out and say, hey, you're you're taking an unfair shot at Bernie Sanders. <laughs> the only thing that I want to point out what she says about him being, you know, he's a wealthy white man. Yeah, he is. He's got a net worth probably, you know, approaching two million. He's got three houses. And, you know, we, those of us who were writing about this during the primary campaign pointed out that for a guy who's socialist, he lives quite well, uh, mostly because of book sales and, and things like that. Um, his wife ran that uh, university into the ground and that, you know, not only was there no real accountability for that, but she was being well compensated for her work there. I mean, if we want to have this discussion about Bernie Sanders, we can have this discussion. Some of us tried to have this discussion back in 2019, but uh, we were told to, you know, oh, hush up and be me. But now, now from the left, it's okay to call him a, a wealthy man. Look, by the way, Bernie Sanders is entitled to make as much money as he likes. I just want him to respect that same right for everyone else to make as much money as they like. So. Uh, that's where we are, Greg. I have no interest in defending Bernie on policy or in many other areas, but it was a cold day. He's almost 80 years old uh, and he showed up. So, you know, if he wants to stay warm, he's outside for over an hour with this whole ceremony. So uh, let him wear whatever he wants. And I'm guessing if you scan the crowd closer uh, to the podium, you saw ex-presidents and first ladies with more Formal dress coats, almost all of them white. I'm sure this teacher uh, didn't see any white privilege if uh, he had conformed to that image as well, which would have been equally stupid, but uh, just uh, just absolutely asinine. I mean, this is proof that there are people who will find a way to be offended about everything. Yeah, and this this is really not the fair reaction to uh, Bernie Sanders and the way he was dressed that day and the way he looked in the inauguration so I mean, the appropriate reaction is... Greg, why couldn't he go to the post office beforehand? <laughs> I mean, do you think he said like his day was, you know, drop off dry cleaning, that thing with Biden, and then go to the post office to get some stamps? Oh, I got to I gotta show up for Joe's thing. <laughs> this line at the post office is too long. I got an inauguration in 20 minutes. I got to go back later. There you go. Maybe that's what happened there. You do a much better Bernie than I do. But on that note, uh, Bernie, enjoy the fact that we defended you in some way uh, because it's not likely to happen again anytime soon. Jim, have a good day. See you tomorrow. Under socialism, every day is Friday. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do not forget about our friends over at Ernest, Ernest.com slash martini. Also, please subscribe to the Three Martini Launch podcast. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Launch podcast. Find us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great day, and please join us Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.